0: Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the Good Good Golf Podcast. Rod Murray in the hot seat, flying solo today as we get the new year underway. Hope you all had a good festive season and are as keen for the year ahead as we are here at Good Good. In keeping with a theme that's been high on the agenda here at the show, today's episode is going to focus on public golf. Shortly, I'll introduce, and I mean this in the nicest possible way, the truly bonkers Sandy Jamison from Oakley Golf Club in Melbourne. Sandy has a fascinating and important idea that he's come up with to help more people get into the game, and it's one that deserves some airtime, which we're going to give it today. However, as regular listeners know, there's no show without homework, So here goes. First things first take a wander over to our sponsors' website and treat yourself to something nice and shiny and new for the start of the new year. Now, note that I didn't say the start of the new decade because that's contentious, so we're going to stick with just the new year for the moment. Thegolfsociety.com.au forward slash Talkin' Golf is the place to go for some of the best brands in golf apparel. Hugo Boss, Ralph Lauren, Travis Matthew, Jay Lindeberg, Calvin Klein. If you can name it and it's one of the best-known brands in golf clothing, then there's a very good chance you'll find it. ...at the Golf Society. That's thegolfsociety.com.au forward slash golf ...or check the show notes below for a direct link... Now, once you've done your shopping at the Golf Society and you're sitting back waiting for delivery, why not head to TalkAndGolf.com and tune into one of our other excellent podcasts. You'll find Derek Duncan's Feed the Ball there and his highly recommended latest episode with Brian Schneider. But there's also On the Tee with Dr. P for a very different academic look at issues surrounding women and the game. And of course, the shrinking violet that is Connor Lewis. And he's talking golf history podcast. If you're at all interested in Ben Hogan, the most recent episode of that show is an absolute must listen, I can assure you. That's talkinggolf.com. And remember, just the one G in talking golf. And finally, feedback. We love to hear from you here at Good Good, and we especially love to hear from you if you don't agree with stuff we talk about or stuff that we say. So get it off your chest by sending complaints and abuse directly to me, Rod, at TalkingGolf.com, or on Twitter, which, let's be honest, is the home of complaints and abuse. You'll find me at, at Rod underscore Morrie. That's M for Mary o double R I. My direct messages are open, so you can send your abuse direct to me, join the list of bots and spammers that regularly find their way in there. On the other hand, if you like the show or the network or our sponsor or even me, compliments are also gladly accepted at the same places as well as to my usual co-hosts, Adrian Logue at at Adrian Logue or Derek Duncan at at Feed the Ball. Now, just before I introduce Sandy Jamison, can I say a quick public congratulations to Derek Duncan who has officially joined Golf Digest magazine in the US as part of their architecture team. Those who've listened to Derek's podcast know what an important contribution it makes to the discussion, not only of course design, but the game more broadly. My props go not only to Derek for getting the job, but to Golf Digest as well, because what this game needs more of, and it is the responsibility of golf media to provide it is frank and fearless commentary which Derek provides. We're all free to disagree, but we must also all be free to state our position and argue for it. Well done, Derek. Well done, Golf Digest. Looking forward to seeing what the two of you can produce in the coming months. Enough of the heavy stuff. Let's get to the important stuff. As I mentioned about an hour ago when I started this intro, Sandy Jamison is based at Oakley Public Golf Course in Melbourne, and he's got an idea that he believes, and I think he might be onto something – will take a lot of the intimidation out of the game for people who are just starting out. His one club idea has a couple of things going for it. It's simple, it can be enjoyed by golfers and non-golfers alike, and it's completely accessible to anyone capable of holding a golf club. I met with Sandy at Oakley a couple of days after the President's Cup, so he could fill us in not only on the one club idea, but some broader issues around the game as well. Sandy's one of a kind, and he's been around the game for a long time. But that's just one of the things that makes him such a fabulous ambassador for golf. Hope you enjoy my chat with Sandy Jamison. I started by asking him how he ended up at Oakley Public. Full circle, mate. <laughs>
1: so I started my golf down the road at Wattle Park, which, um, funny enough, David Graham started there. whole heap of golf pros, but you can, you know... Guys won two majors. Some more successful
0: than others. Absolutely. Um,
1: <laughs> in, my, the arena. Yeah, in the playing yeah, arena. In the playing arena. I don't know what sort of coach he is, but <laughs> lots, lots of guys started there. I went on to private golf from there. And Box Hill Golf Club, which was, you know, a wealth of good players. Robert Allenby there. There was I think about seven golf pros have come out of there from that from that era. I tried to play a bit but wasn't good enough. Um I played okay, but you know, never going to make a dollar out of it. It's pretty competitive, isn't oh, it? You've got to be better than okay. You've got to be able to hit it far. I mean, I, I just, you know, I'm a, I'm a short tubby ball of slow twitch muscle fibre. So it's, it's not, it's not going to do much
0: for me. They don't advertise that on the PGA Tour, funnily enough. No, no they don't. <laughs> Dustin Johnson is not that, is he?
1: No, definitely not. So actually my accountant told me that I was a golf coach. He goes, what do you want me to put on your tax return? I said, oh, the golf tour player. He goes, oh, mate, here's <laughs> the balance sheet. This is how much money you've spent playing golf and this is how much you've earned coaching. He says, you're a golf coach.
0: I'm a good accountant, but I'm yeah, not that good. Absolutely. So that's,
1: that changed that. And then I sort of went along the ter- on the terms of coaching tour players. I, I aspired to coaching tour players and, you know, achieved that. Mm-hmm. So coach gone yeah,
0: through some of the names for us. Yeah.
1: Andrew Shuden was probably mm-hmm. my first one. He's now.
0: Caddying four.
1: Cameron Davis. Thank you. Um and he did really well and because of that in the early days, that sort of was my leg into the VIS. So coach there, um, met Jared Lyle there and coached Jared mm-hmm. after his first bout of cancer.
0: What a magnificent natural talent, oh, Jared Lyle. Yeah, what see his brother too. What a Leighton, pair of hands, yeah.
1: Leighton probably you could have thought was better, but <laughs> Jared, you know, great player. Always had that knack of being one mm-hmm. better than the cut. Mm-hmm. And then from from there, I British Open at 06 at um, uh, Liverpool, uh, um, Royal Liverpool, I like, mm-hmm. played a practice round with Rob Allenby because obviously Jared and Rob were pretty tight and I'd known Rob a long time. And I noticed Rob's game wasn't anywhere near where it used to be, so I had a bit of a chat. I ended up coaching Rob, uh, moved overseas with that, so I lived in London to coach him in America, which I know sounds kind of weird, but... Closer than
0: Australia, yeah.
1: So it makes some sense. And my visa to live in America <laughs> wouldn't have allowed my wife to work, and she loves uh-huh. working. So ancestry visa end up living in London, only an eight-hour commute to Rob's house as opposed to thirty. So that was
0: well, like living in Sydney and driving to work, mates. Roughly an eight-hour commute each way, some yeah, days.
1: Correct, <laughs> correct. And then um, end up sort of spending some time with Chucky Fowler while I was over there. Also, a little period of time with Wai Yang. While he was in Europe, which wasn't very successful because he hated Europe mm-hmm. uh, and wasn't happy. So, you're never going to do any good coaching, no. son, if they're not happy. Then, as is the thing of a coach, when you run out of players, I ended up moving back to Australia, um, getting the job at Commonwealth Golf Club, which I dearly love. And I, I love private golf, I think private golf's great. But the trend is down. Um, when I'd started at Commonwealth, you know, there's a full waiting list and a, and a wait, uh, you know, full membership and a waiting list. And that's just not true at any golf club now apart from maybe the top four. I'd say mm-hmm. Royal Melbourne, Vic, Metro, Kingston Heath perhaps would be the only ones in that shape. And I, I looked at my whole, my whole industry, my, my job, and I've looked at public golf, and public golf was down up to 60% in some cases. So here at Oakley 20 years ago, they were doing 40,000 rounds when i came in here they were doing 17,000 when did you
0: come here
1: october 1 um, this year 2019 2019
0: why would you leave commonwealth to come here well everyone thought i got sacked. you just assume why would you do it? it it seems and you could understand that i'm sure that seems a crazy move
1: well it does but i love i love commonwealth so much and i love private golf so much that it's like a ladder the top rung—you can't get to the top rung unless there's bottom rungs to climb up on. Mm-hmm.
0: Is that overlooked in the game? Strikes me that nobody who's ever thought I wouldn't mind to go at golf starts by saying I'll join Commonwealth and buy a set of clubs and see if I like it. Doesn't happen that way, does it?
1: Yeah, and you'd be you'd be crazy to. And it's a discussion we'll probably get to at some point today with a meeting I've just had out on the golf course with a with a private golf club. I'm saying it'd be akin to trying to learn how to ski on a black slope. Or you're going to learn how to drive a racing car and you're starting uh, a Formula One
0: among experienced skiers and drivers oh. who have not got no interest or time to help you learn the ropes for the most part. Well,
1: and you're going to crash and burn on the mm-hmm. first on the first thing. You know, for those of your listeners who know Commonwealth Golf Club, two two holes in particular, the ninth and the fifteenth, two of two of the best par threes mm-hmm. in the world. Like two of the best par threes in the world. There's no doubt. You cannot get onto those greens without going over the bunker. There's a tiny granny's corner as they call it, but you know a new golfer gets there and that's that's where they're left. They're, they can't go any further. Mm-hmm. And for someone who's just learning how to hit the golf ball, it's really disheartening to start on a top-class course.
0: Enough to turn a lot of people off. A Correct. mistake we've made in golf with a lot of people.
1: Huge. I mean all the, all the all the championship golf courses now are spending a lot of time investing in getting more members. It's part of their future. And they're introducing beginner golfers on the Formula One golf course. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I kind of think that's a mistake. And I think that um, you you do run the risk of turning people off the game.
0: So it's an altruistic move on your part, Correct. Sandy. What Correct. place is there for that in the world of 2019? No, I don't I'm see l- much of that.
1: I'm lucky I've got a wife who's got a great job. and
0: um, Are you a bit bonkers? I don't mean that in a malicious way, but you need to be a bit nuts to devote so much energy, time, potentially financial resources to trying to do something worthwhile for the game?
1: Totally bonkers. And I mean, the reality is I had a job offer last year with one of the clients at work who runs construction. He offered me the job of driving an alley mac, which is a lift that goes on the side of a building. He does six stories maximum. It's $160,000 a year. To push a button to go up and down,
0: and listen to podcasts all day.
1: Yeah, absolutely. In air conditioned comfort. Well, and how many golf pros are driving trains and hmm. selling real estate? It's I'm not I'm not here for the money. Uh, it would be nice to make a difference to the game and be able to
0: earn you know, and eat at the same time. That'd eat. be lovely, wouldn't
1: it? <laughs> and actually be rewarded for what <laughs> sure. you're doing. But I think the the plight of golf professionals around the country, they're not earning the sort
0: of money they perhaps deserve to earn. I think that's a... I think that's a fair... That's probably true around the world, truth yeah. be told. Like everything in golf, there's a top tier that make an enormous sum. Maybe you could make the case are overpaid, and there's a bottom tier that are well and truly underpaid.
1: Oh, correct. And and look, the members of golf clubs value PGA members. <laughs> like... You go into a party if you're a PGA member and everyone wants a piece of you and they John. want to find out your opinion on this and that. So we're of huge value to the game.
0: Those three letters are more valuable than most PGA members realise, I suspect. PGA, after your name. That's
1: massive. Hmm. I think that you, you've got a. the PGA members originally were employed by clubs to grow their game. You know, hmm. grow the game is it's it's horrible to over know. and over. But, you know, I was listening to one of your podcasts or –
0: you really are bonkers. Yeah.
1: I was listening to one of yours or actually someone else's, sorry, Brian Twite, You know, he was Metropolitan, went and hunt him out from Sunningdale to bring him out to mm-hmm. to help them grow their membership. And, I mean, he's still there today on a, you know, non-official basis. He still gives golf lessons. And Brian Twight and Metropolitan, you know, they, they went together like Vegemite and... <laughs> Toast. Well, one,
0: one isn't one isn't one without the other, is it? And Correct. that wasn't our podcast because I've not spoken to Brian yet. They were using the crosshairs oh. for one of my podcasts. Yeah, okay. might have, might have been one of your competitors. But- <laughs> yeah, no. We're not competitors. A rising tide lifts all boats. Correct. So Correct. podcast listening is good no matter which podcast you choose to listen to. So you're here you've come here and you want to help to sort of save public golf and help to, to save the game. We won't use the grow the game term because I, like you, I find that generally means grow my business. Correct. <laughs> which happens to be golf, not anything more than that. But what can you do, Sandy? It's just a golf course. is isn't like every other golf course. What, what special talents have you got to make Oakley successful when hundreds of other public courses are struggling? I think 25 years of teaching experience and the concept I've
1: come up, with, which we're going to talk about. But typically what happens in golf is when you first become a PGA coach, you teach beginners and juniors. No one else wants a golf lesson with a new coach. Everyone who's an existing golfer with problems wants to go and see the person who's got the you know the magic bullet to fix them.
0: And no experienced coach wants to talk deal with beginners and juniors
1: for the most part. Correct. So then I I just had a look at my business and you know our business is is closely linked to the golf industry's business. Uh, and I asked myself a question. I at one point I coached at Ringwood Public Golf Course, 1997. I was there. And that was mental. You couldn't get on the golf course. It was booked from morning till night. The um, practice fairway we, was small. I, you could hit it maybe a seven iron. We had a main road on two sides of the course, which we hung banners, learn how to play golf. $60 five weeks. I'd do 16 clinics a weekend. Wow. Plus a junior program. And I'd be going you know from daylight till dark. All on the practice fairway, and those golf coaches out there or people who've done a clinic, you'll recognize this week one, putt, mm-hmm. week two, chip, mm-hmm. you know, grip and chip, week week three, pitching, so a bit of stance and learning about wrist action, week four, full swing, week five, woods and bunker shots, and then week and- six,
0: join the club, off you go. Yeah, well, not <laughs> even,
1: no, it, you couldn't get on the course. Mm. So then you say, okay, I'll, I'll sign you up to the advanced clinic, and it was a, it was a business of coaching golf. And all the juniors, and then I asked myself a question just recently, how many of those people actually went on to be golfers? And had I prepared them to be a golfer, I pre- taught them sort of how to swing a golf club but not play golf. And then looking at this place, you know, down to 17,000 rounds, you can fire a gun round here most times. I thought, well... I see an opportunity to teach people how to play golf.
0: So what's the difference? Surely golf is just swinging a golf club, getting on a track, man, learning the club head speed, the path, you hit it that distance with that club, you get out on the course, you get that distance, you hit that club. How you know I could it be? Is that That's golf, isn't it? Hitting a ball, putting it in the hole? Yeah, no.
1: I mean, frisbee golf, it's having the least amount of shots possible and strategizing your way around a course. And I suddenly realized how many things we as golfers have forgotten. So first thing I teach people when they turn up I get them some golf balls and I give them a, a a marking pen and mark your golf ball. What's one of the first etiquettes in golf is mark your ball. No one teaches that in a putting, chipping, pitching lesson. No. I teach them safety. So there's four things I teach them. Safety, course care, speed of play, and the easy one, which is hit the ball. That's, that's <laughs> the easiest one it's, of all.
0: As many golfers are listening to this, have all just had a giggle. How can hit the ball be the easy one?
1: Okay, one of my favourite things to say, <laughs> everyone's played mini-golf, yeah? hmm Are there golf coaches at mini-golf?
0: Mm, not that I can recall, no. You just hit the ball.
1: Mm-hmm. So you get a putter and you swing the club, let's say, you know, two feet maximum. Like backswing might be two foot long mm-hmm. and two foot through, and that's, that's your swing, and you hit the ball. So I, I believe in a thing called your level of competence, which is... The length and speed of swing you can make, hitting the ball on the club face, having the club face pointing in a direction where you're not going to lose the ball. That's competence. So if you go bigger than that and you miss the ball or you hit it sideways, well, you're not competent. So week one, when we get out in the golf course, or session one if you want, is hit the ball. I teach you how to get around the course, but you've got to hit the ball inside your competency level. So if you miss it, we just make little hits the whole way around. And gradually people learn to hit it bigger without me telling them to. So their head's learning about getting around a golf course. They're not standing on the first tee thinking about grip stance, posture alignment, swing plane, and then not knowing how to be a good golfing citizen and get around the course so everyone can enjoy their day.
0: If they're not standing on the first tee thinking about those things, Sandy, how do you ever expect them to develop the yips? (laughs)
1: <laughs> True, and then, and then I'm, I might have shot myself in the foot because then there'll be no follow-up. <laughs> right
0: that's exactly right about how to get over the yips, go to a cross-handed grip. It feels to me like what you're really talking about there is breaking golf down to I think probably certainly when we were kids, I didn't recall doing junior clinics and all those sorts of things. I started later than a lot of others oh. but it's just kind of falling in love with the fun of hitting the ball and finding your own way to hit it without all that other stuff. That's not to say one is better than the other but There's an instinctive thing going on with what you're explaining there, I think, that might hold people in good stead.
1: You you made a really important point before when we went to that you know grow the game thing, which is grow the business.
0: Or grow my business, generally, more specifically. Well,
1: there's a lot of PGA members out there now who are not retained in jobs. They're working as contractors. And to put food on the table, you've got to give golf lessons. So we've designed a whole lot of programs based around giving golf lessons.
0: And all the information's correct... Yeah. Nobody's teaching anything wrong or false.
1: 100%. It's just we've missed a stage. we got to learn how to play the game first. And then once I, I sort of believe that you can't teach anybody anything unless they perceive the need to learn it. Mm. So that's quite deep. Sandy, how do I get it? How do I get the ball up in the air so it stops on the green? Now they've got a motivation to learn and I can help them. But for me, standing there in week two of their golfing experience trying to teach them how to sand iron up let's you know, do pitching it's trash so yeah so well I, I stripped it back I, I looked at how I learned how to play golf um, and I learned I had a five iron my dad went to Cliffy
0: Hoth sports shop up in Fox Hill <laughs> we've lost so much from the world haven't we and bought me a five iron a five iron could you go and buy a five iron now you probably could but
1: <laughs> you, can, you, can buy, you can buy a one club
0: yeah you can, we'll come to that in a moment
1: but and that's how we learnt. I was talking to Robert Allenby last night at his charity function. He had a three-iron. Probably his dad trying to copy Seve, but not a bad place to not a start. Ba- I was gonna say, not a bad model. And we, we literally, we didn't have any money. Well, no one had the sort of cash that's flying around today for their kids in sport, Or maybe some people did. I just didn't know them. And then you'd start with that five-iron, and then you'd grow out of it, and so you'd get another one, and then you'd go to the bargain bin. I actually bought a club here at Oakley. I bought a five iron, a Peter Thompson Dunlop five iron oh,
0: fantastic.
1: Out of um, Tim Silver who was the pro here. And the clubhouse we we're in was his house. He used to live on really? premise. Really? Yeah, he lived on premise here. In this building here. In this building, this was oh, his house. Wow. So the kitchen through there and yeah. you know, that was part of you know, what was it you know, there's a
0: golf pros lived at golf courses. I know um, God,
1: Brian Twite lived at Metro.
0: We've lost so much, haven't we? So much has changed that. Not necessarily for the better. That's a delightful idea of golf pro living on the premises, isn't it? I
1: mean, like I mean can job. you imagine that? All of a sudden, I've got one club. And then I go, well, I want to learn how to get it up behind there and stop it. I need a new club. So then you go and buy the wedge and you invest the time to learn how to use the wedge. Rather than a beginner set these days is a whole set of clubs. Mm-hmm. You know, Callaway do a thing called a Solaris, which is like a full set of clubs, hybrids. Like There's 14 clubs there um it's not Cleveland either. is the 80s the, and 90s? Yeah, Cleveland do bloom. It's $1,000. Yeah. Whereas when I Mark Erard was my um, boss as a trainee, we had a big barrel full of a, a club called a Rapier Strategy, and it, was, it, it went for about 12 years, that model, just never superseded. And we had a barrel full of clubs without grips on the end, so you could trim them to length, mm-hmm. and you come along for your first lesson, there's your seven iron, and it was, I could say it might have been 25 bucks for your club. And away you went with a club, and then later on you'd get a wedge. So I see there's hurdles. Mm-hmm. So he said, oh, you want to learn how to play golf? Well, you need to have five lessons. You need a set of golf clubs.
0: Big bag, a buggy yeah. to pull it on, a GPS rangefinder, gloves, so, special shoes, the right cap, ball markers. And
1: so how much you spent now? Between 1000 thousand, two thousand $2,000 for basics. Yeah. So, Before you know if you like it. Yeah, it's a hurdle. <laughs> it's a hurdle. And then you go out, you've invested all this money and time, and you go out and you're stressed because you actually don't know how to play the game. Okay. You don't know how to be a, a good citizen. I Actually, have a go at you now. You're good. And I have a go at a lot of people who talk about golf. I constantly hear people say, oh, I'm not a good golfer. You know, They'll bag their own, they'll talk their own game down, and you know, you're off about 12. My definition of a good golfer is someone who can complete nine holes of golf in two hours or less without negatively impacting other people by the way they play or their attitude towards playing. I think I just failed.
0: I am a bad golfer.
1: Okay, No, no, I get you. So, I mean, I'd much rather play with a beginner who can get around the course and someone who's swearing and throwing their clubs and being a miserable bastard. Off
0: scratch, yeah.
1: Uh, It's of no interest to me. So, I think... um, yeah, that's, oh, I'm probably a bit lost, but that's why I'm here. Mm-hmm. I, I think I have a chance to create
0: some golfers. So you started with One Club. Yep. Now you've introduced One Club to Oakley. Tell us about One Club. What's the concept and how does it work?
1: Oh, One Club is a cross between a long iron a short iron. Everyone's sort of scratching their head there. They so, call that a mid-iron. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <it's>, uh, yeah. <laughs> You're right. Sorry, We're, mate. You know, I was... it's, a, it's a Caitlin Jenner at golf clubs. It's a cross between two. Uh, it's approximately a four-iron loft, mm-hmm. um, so you can hit on the green as we can putt with it. Mm-hmm. It's um, about a nine-iron length, and the, the lie angle, which is the angle the shaft comes out of the club is akin to the 9-iron. The mm-hmm. So, club fitting 101, the shorter a club is, the easier it is to hit in the middle of the face. And that's what I'm trying to teach people. The club's got a, um, a circle in the middle of the face to indicate where the, where the middle is, and there's no number on the bottom. So, we use the club from the start of the hole until it disappears. I've got a putter grip on it also. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason I use a putter grip is... I. People turn up to golf. I go right. If you're if you're a right hand or left hand, up top, thumb on top, right hand close, thumb on top. Let's go. So that's that. That's the technical input for the lesson. Is hold on to it, and then we're on the put- I get them on the putting green, so we don't damage this part of the course. I just want you to get the ball in the hole with little swings, and I get them on the putting green. Depending on the people, but usually it's between three minutes and five minutes, and I say, right, you're ready to play, let's go play golf. And we walk down to the first tee, and we grab a sand bucket. Um, it's actually like skinny dipping for golfers because you're, <laughs> you're walking out on the course <laughs> and you haven't got a bag and you haven't got a buggy and you're, sorta, you're, you're a bit sort of lost at first because you sort of feel a bit free
0: range. What do people who've not played before, when they turn up and they go through this, is that what they were expecting or is my feeling right, that most non-golfers find golf really daunting because they expect to find a whole other bunch of stuff happen when they turn up to a golf course, which is the reality at most golf courses.
1: Absolutely. People have preconceived ideas because of, of, golfers are like evangelicals now. <laughs> <like, laughs> we're like some weird cult. Yes. and have got our own language, which yeah. we forget. Everyone's going to try and convert you to golf, so as soon as they know you're going for a golf lesson everyone thinks it's their right to give you a thousand things to think of before you go out. Where here's this slightly bonkers bloke at Oakley. (laughs) Who can play a bit. Who says, okay, let's go play. And they're on the first tee before they know about it. Their experience of playing golf is the first time they're actually hitting a shot is on a putting green. The second time they're hitting a shot is actually on the first tee. With the same club. Same club, which they love Mm -hmm. because I've got less to think about. So what I'm actually doing is I'm normalizing playing golf. I'm not saying, okay, well, here's we learn on this practice fairway that looks nothing like a bloody golf course or a driving range or synthetic mats or whatever. And now I'm working my way up, spending a lot of time and big investment on learning how to swing a club. And now I get on the first tee. And when I get on the first tee, I'm thinking about grip stance, posture, alignment, pivot, swing, plane, all those things and no one's taught me about being a good golfing citizen so then all of a sudden there's people queued up behind me who are upset now oh god i gotta play with this bloke oh this person's in front of me or this and that adds stress so around here this course uh is two par fours and seven par threes four of the par threes are only about 100 meters long and the first hole is the hardest hole on the golf course which is a bit of a shame it's you know 330 long and could actually be one of the best par fours in Melbourne with a bit of um, mm-hmm. tree lopping. Don't bring Clayton here. Um, <laughs> actually, I've brought Clayton out here for a game. It was the first
0: thing he said. Uh, yeah, pull all the trees. Yeah. But,
1: <laughs> but actually, we're going down a rabbit hole, but there, it was wet as a shag at that time of the year. It's, a, it's on clay and mm-hmm. what have you, and about three holes in, and the architecture here is not spectacular. Let's. It was I don't know who the architect was. It was probably someone from the council with a bulldozer. Yeah, well, possibly. But... Three holes in. Mike's gone. Actually, this is fun because uh-huh. we're a bit sort of right brain, creating shots, trying to hit different things to get it to happen. So it's right up his alley. Yeah. But- so he he got it. And I, I I sort of have that over him as he thinks people give up golf because the architecture is boring, like like um, Alistair McKenzie quotes. But I think we might have made the game boring with
0: too much equipment. Well, as Adrian Lowe often says on on Good Good. The, the, the attempt to homogenise the game has been to its detriment the notion that a course has to have 18 holes and four of them must be par threes and four of them must be par fives and the other 10 must be par fours. and this At every point, we take a game that is the freest of all pursuits. No boundary lines virtually. any number, No two golf holes are the same, no two golf courses. And we try to homogenise it. And it it, it 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 takes away from the game what's, what is the greatest appeal of it. Well, I just had a conversation today with... Um One of the people who came down from from Huntingdale, I saw Alex McGilvery outside, and he said he's more than happy for us to talk about it publicly. He Mm -hmm. thinks your idea is fantastic.
1: Yeah, and and little guy, take my hats off to Huntingdale Golf Club Mm -hmm. for that, which we'll get into Mm -hmm. the the reality. I said, look, in the last twenty years, no one would doubt that golf clubs have got better. No one would doubt Mm. that the way we fit golf clubs. You know, I mean, you have the best equipment in the world. Yeah, golfers have got worse, and player numbers at private golf clubs are dropping, and public golf courses are dropping. So. For all the good gear in the world, the game's gone backwards, in a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I still don't get me wrong. I'm not a doom and gloomer. I
0: think golf no, no, is fantastic. The game is phenomenal and will never lose its appeal broadly.
1: But the game doesn't need a seven hundred dollar driver to have fun.
0: The business has got some issues. Correct. The business model.
1: So my one club. Well, we got we're on the we're on the first tee, and. I stand there and one of the biggest problems people have when they learn is they go with the pre-existing golfer who stands there and makes a full swing and smashes it down the fairway, good or bad. They make this big full swing and the beginner tries to copy them. I hit the ball about 30 metres, no more than waist-high, waist-high. So your first job is to learn how to hit it in the middle of the face, with the face pointing down the target line at impact. And that's competency. If you can't hit it in the face or the face is aiming way off, make a smaller swing, hit yeah, you it, can. and move on. Hmm. So they're out there on the course. They're learning whose turn it is. They're learning where to stand to be safe. But the, you know They carry a sand bucket to fix divots, and I tell them that not everybody does the right thing. So if you see another divot there that someone hasn't fixed, fix it. It'll make you feel good. They're all blown away by how beautiful the golf course is because we forget, us golfers forget, what a privilege it is to have Open space. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't have backyards anymore, mm-hmm. so they're they're enjoying being out in nature. And I am teaching them how to get around a golf course. I, I get people who have never played before. I've got a, a one of my mates partners who is um, Chinese and she speaks Mandarin and Cantonese. And I'll get a group of four people have never played sport before, and we get to the second hole, which is a hundred meter par 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 three. I time them without them knowing, the longest it's taken a group of four non-golfers, their second ever hole of playing golf, is six and a half minutes. Oh, couldn't get four golfers
0: through in six and a half minutes, could you? No, and
1: we've got eight-minute tee times. So if you take any more than eight minutes, it's unacceptable because you're going to impact somebody else. Mm-hmm. So because you're not stuffing around, going back to your buggy, what club am I going to hit, mm-hmm. what's going on there, it's quick. And until you can hit the ball in the middle of the club face, no point having a pitching wedge and a 5-iron and a 7-wood and a, and a because the club doesn't perform unless it's hit in
0: the middle of the face anyway. So all these choices are a waste of time. You're speaking an awful lot of sense, Sandy, which kind of makes you a bit of a an outlier in golf, <laughs> doesn't a nut, it? A total him? nutter. Well, kind of. Does that tell us something? Do other people look at you funny when and when you first came up with this concept? I imagine a lot of people looked at you funny as oh, a I still
1: do. I had a guy today who's a member at Peninsula, which has to be said. I was there yesterday. It's
0: magnificent. I've not yet heard a bad word about it. Oh, not a not a single bad word. It,
1: it, it's magnificent, but yet again, it's going to rely on public golf to feed decent golfers through because you wouldn't want to be a member at Peninsula. I wouldn't have thought unless you're a decent player because it's the North Course, especially. I mean, mm-hmm. you got you got some pretty some hazards and stuff to carry, but that's fine. It's fantastic for good golfers. That's
0: what you aspire to, isn't it? Correct. Golf and is an, an aspirational game, ultimately.
1: Well, yeah. When I was a kid at Box Hill Golf Club, to join the sand belt was almost impossible. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, look, like getting back to being a nutter, and I believe that unless public golf is is thriving, there's no reason to go and join a, public, a private course. So example, Glen Waverley Golf Course, which is in the city of Monash also, has Santa Ana Cooch Fairways, has good greens. Yes, gets wet in winter. It's on clay again, but let's say nine months of the year, it's in really good condition. And the other three months is okay because we don't get much rain anyway, but it just gets a bit heavy. Unlimited green fee pass there for the year, $1,200. Play as much as you like. Wow. Their rounds had gone down into the mid forty thousand rounds a year. You used to do hundred thousand when
0: I was a kid. So clearly, price isn't the problem. Cost of golf isn't the problem there, then, is it? No, cre- you, it's you, cheap. You can't get a better deal than that but, if you know anything about golf. So let's look at
1: Huntingdale Golf Club, who we'll talk about a little bit, as you know, one of the premier sandbelt clubs in the country. When I was a kid, you had to go and learn your golf at a public course. Then go to a private course, a lesser one, maybe you know your your tier threes or whatever you want to call them. It was a box or golf clubs where I learnt, which was you know I still consider at home. And then you aspired to go if you're a really good player to go to a sandbelt course. But when I was a kid, you couldn't wait to get off the public course because you had to queue up for a bloody hour to have a hit. Mm-hmm. If your ball went on another fairway, it wouldn't be there when you got there because <laughs> some bugger would have picked it up. <laughs> Whereas now. You can go to Glen Waverley Golf Course, which is playing about the same amount of rounds as the Box Hill Golf Club where I grew up. And I think Box Hill's a bit over three grand a year to play. Glen Waverley's 1,200. So unless there's people with a desire to leave public courses because they're too busy, we're not going to have the push-up into the Box Hills of this world. And then the Box Hills of this world were the the breeding ground for – the Huntingdales and the Commonwealth and all these other places that I that I truly love. Mm-hmm. So we need public golf to be healthy. And to be honest, it's not about the money for me. I'm one of those nutters. It's about making sure the game that I love has a future at the privileged courses because they're they're, they're a thing of beauty. Mm-hmm. So we have to make – I have to – someone has to do it. Otherwise, I've heard you say it, and we said it together. I'll I'll go and drive a bus. Yeah. Spend time with my kids.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Make more and have less stress. You can probably – I believe you're just about nuts enough to fix Oakley and make this a success. How does that help the rest of golf? How do you – how do you – how do you parlay that from here? Right on bonkers, but –
1: I think I've fooled everybody because even though it surprises me, I've actually got a reasonably good reputation in the <laughs> golf industry. And when people find out I've gone to Oakley and find out I wasn't sacked, mm-hmm. um, they're, they're pricking up and taking notice. I, I can tell you that Oakley's figures for the first month that I've got records to compare them to you know, November 2018 to November 2019 – about a 50% increase in revenue through the business. Already. Already. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't think that's happened at public golf. I wouldn't have thought. It's only my second month here. Now, not, I mean, something else might have happened, I don't know, but it's a strange coincidence.
0: Doesn't that tell us a couple of things, Sandy? One of them being I feel like for a long time we got into this notion that golf would just take care of itself and the, the, the pro's job and the club's job was just to sit and collect the money as it rolled in. And in fact, like every other business in the world, the reality is someone needs to drive it with enthusiasm and energy. When you don't have that is when you see facilities get in trouble. When you do have it, you see facilities whose business increases 50% in the space of a month or two.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the number one thing is you have to welcome people to the facility and make them feel good about their choice of coming there. I mean, that's a pretty simple notion.
0: I think- a, f- a foreign one at a lot of golf courses, it has to be said. One of the biggest problems for golf, for new golfers, is that it's a daunting place. It's a daunting place for a reason. Often it's daunting because it's big and it looks difficult and all the rest of it, but they're not welcomed by oh. either Pro Shop staff or members or other members or, or other people using the club.
1: I mean, look, people's image of golf is probably more the image of what happens at top private clubs. I like, muse at the idea, and maybe we can do it one day if you've got one of your listeners mad enough to come with me, I'll go to Chadston Shopping Centre, like they call it the fashion capital of Melbourne, whatever, to go shopping. And we'll set up out the front with a camera and we'll be dressed as golfers and we'll be enforcing private golf club dress regulations to come <laughs> and go shopping at Chadston.
0: <laughs> Have you seen the security
1: blokes there? You're in trouble if you try. <laughs> like, yeah, probably, but you imagine people looking at you twice.
0: Oh, uh, very much. It, That's a fantastic analogy, actually, if you think about it, isn't it? I
1: mean, get a thousand people at Chadston randomly, don't sort of pick it and get up on a stepladder and take a photo of them, then take a photo of a 1,000 golfers at a golf club. And golf clubs don't represent no. society, and we've put that wedge. I mean, I, I, I've actually come to work. I don't tuck my shirt in anymore. I refuse to tuck my shirt in. I think, oh, bugger that. Um, I came to work in jeans and felt like a ner- <laughs> naughty boy all day. <laughs> well, but all the customers turn up in jeans. Yeah. Why, why do I have to stand there and sort of be aloof? Why like, people don't want that.
0: I find the dress code an interesting one because I feel like a part of what happens when you buy into golf, certainly not at the beginning, and you're right, I went to Chadston and tried that experiment, but I think you were nuts. As they do when they come here to Oakley and if you start telling them they've got to have long socks and this and the other, which is what we've done at golf courses. But as you get drawn into the game and climb up a couple of those rungs, there's something about it's not a uniform, but it's a it's a part of the theatre of the game, I think. You're
1: going to be a decent young the kid. The apparel you've got to have a white belt, don't you?
0: Well, I, I don't know. I've never been a decent young kid. No. I've never had a white belt, but not so much that. But the the dress code in golf, and it's a contentious one. And I so what is it golf? Makes no sense to enforce it, but I feel like there's something about most people end up subscribing to it happily. Yeah, correct. It's yeah. it's not a it's not a bone of contention for most people who are long term golfers. It's something they actually quite enjoy about the game. I'm a member of a club that doesn't really have strict dress regulations but at it's all. it's a hurdle for people coming in. It absolutely is. I, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more.
1: So my question, what is golf?
0: Yeah. Oh, is it's a sport? Well, let's not go
1: down. <laughs> no, it, it's, a, <laughs> a, but it's a sport. It's, so, so if I had, when I was running some mm-hmm. clinics at Commonwealth for Beginners, had two um, mid-20-year-old women turn up in active wear. Well, if for them, I'm going to go to golf, it's a fair assumption to say <laughs> that active wear is appropriate.
0: Makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Um, you know, the active.
1: Yeah, correct. But to go when not allowed in the clubhouse and frown upon being on the practice fairway in active wear. I mean, like, mm. so maybe I'm a bit of a bogan.
0: I, I quite enjoy no, I don't, I don't think there's something more complex. I haven't articulated it well, but there's something more complex that goes on with dress regulations, I think, where predominantly oh. people accept it uh, and come to buy into it as a... Part of golf. I'm not necessarily one of them, yeah. but oh, look, they've changed.
1: I don't think there's a private club in Melbourne now that says you have to have long socks with shorts. I mean, no. it, it's changed. I know Commonwealth years ago used to have to wear a jacket and tie in certain parts of the clubhouse at mm-hmm. a certain hour. Now it's spikes and golfer ties. So it's changing.
0: Well, commercial realities force a lot of that too, haven't they? Yeah. Most markets are driven by demand. That's the truth of it. And when the golfers demand that those dress regulations change in enough numbers, then the dress regulations change.
1: But you're right. I don't, look, I don't think the dress regulation's a big issue at the end product, but certainly so the, the outset, people to golf.
0: And particularly for women, interestingly enough, uh, and lots of golfers out there don't think that's a problem. There's, there's, a, there's a definite sexism in golf. Lots of golfers don't care whether more women play the game or not. But if you're in the business of golf, as you are and as I am, to exclude a great number of 50% of the population for no good reason who have money and could enjoy the game and there's yeah. no reason why they could. just makes no business sense, does it? No economic sense whatsoever. Correct. And,
1: you know, it's a, I often say it's like, the you know, the, at the private golf club, you've got old poor old Bill who's a widow um, who has worn the same pair of slacks to the golf club. He's got soup stains down the front. His jumper's <laughs> got holes in him. He's, you know, he doesn't know how to look after and. And he can wear that, but someone can't wear a $200 pair of jeans. Yeah. Like, I mean, come on. Yeah. So anyway, that's, that's, off. That's, that's off. That's It's that's
0: well and truly down the rabbit hole. We've though. gone the wrong way there. <laughs> we have indeed. So uh, what's been the reaction to One Club then from both golfers existing and newbies who've not known anything about it? And why do people come here to take up the game? You've got, you're introducing people to the game. What is it that drives them? Do they see it on TV or they have got a friend who says they should try it? or I think
1: most people that I come into contact with even though from the outset they go, oh, I can't play golf, it's mm-hmm. too hard, I'm no good at it Even before they tried. Most people deep down like the notion of playing golf. They like the they like the they, they like the idea of going and hitting a ball with a stick. Like you know, Andrew Thompson talking yeah. you on one of your pods. Uh, you got that one right. He was actually yeah, on our pod yeah, when you said I mean, that, so that was nice. Yeah, <laughs> and and look, Peter Thompson's thing and I think he's right. You know, so the idea everyone likes the idea of playing golf. They're just apprehensive because it's been built up to be this big thing. So for me, saying okay, I think my thing on the side I'm easy, fun, and affordable is what golf is with me. They're shocked with that. So to come along for one of my sessions, a group is a hundred dollars. So what size is a group? Four, up to four, eight,
0: four, up to four. So Twenty five bucks each.
1: Twenty five bucks each, or if there's only one, it's hundred bucks.
0: And how long does it go for?
1: The coach for an hour, mm-hmm. that includes the coach, it includes the equipment, and includes your green fees to play nine holes. Mm-hmm. Within half an hour, you know how to play golf. So when the hour's up and the coach disappears, you go and you finish a round of golf by yourself.
0: Not bad value, is it? If you had four of you for 25 bucks, what's it, three and a half hours of.
1: Nah, mate. Out here, it takes you uh, probably an hour and a half to play the golf course. Two, it's only short.
0: Two and a half hours for 25 bucks. Yeah.
1: It's it's well no the hour coaching is on the golf course oh, so right. you're only you're there for you're there for maybe uh, an hour and an hour and three quarters okay but it's great value because you're getting your game of golf and your equipment mm-hmm. everyone who hasn't played it straight away goes oh I like that only one club. They, they like it. Existing golfers go, hey, but you have a putter as well. And you go, no, that's why it's called one, one club, club golf. <laughs> oh, really? You can't putt with that? So, but then they get out there and do it. And we had the Huntingdale um, Ladies Committee and some of the General Committee out there on the golf course today. And within a hole, they're all having fun. There's no scorecard in your pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, the rules, you know, Patrick greeted like my rules. of <laughs> Rule number one, play the ball as it lies if you want to. You know, if you if, want. You move it if you want to. Improve it if you want. Do what you want. Just get round the golf course. If you lose a ball, no penalty. It's a financial penalty. You lost a ball, just drop right. another one and play.
0: Or as the Zurich Golf Club rules are no ball can technically be lost because at some point it's going to be found. So until that happens, it's actually a stolen ball. And That's why should you idea. be penalised for your ball having been stolen?
1: That's a great idea. <laughs> I, I actually took a, a great mate of mine, a guy called Andrew Long, who's a golf up on the Murray. Mm-hmm. We went out and played. Great
0: name for a golf pro, by the way. Yeah, Andrew Long. Andrew, yeah, fantastic. Better, <laughs> better than a guy
1: Oxford Golf Club, Bob Crookshank. That's not a <laughs> Brian Yip. We, we had William Larder as well, Bill Larder, <laughs> which, which was a beauty. But we went out there and played, and on the eighth hole here, I tried this cut-up shot, and I overcut it, went in the creek. And we're playing. We're competing because we're competitive buggers. And I said, that's all right. My game, there's no penalty for that. And he's, you know, that's BS and he's carrying on. That's rubbish. And because I managed to make four on the hole and he made four, so he didn't like that. The very next hole, he hit it out of bounds <laughs>
0: and he got to drop one, no penalty, <laughs> across the
1: line. And he goes, Oh, it's not bad after it all evens out. <laughs> not a bad idea. Yeah. You know. I, mean, all, I mean, it doesn't matter, does yeah. it?
0: No, of course it doesn't. This is why Bar- one of the reasons Barn I think, has been successful is for that very there's none of this comps and back to the tee because you've lost it in the. None of that. Well, I
1: went down you to, to Barn We got there early, we turned up in our jeans and whatever, and we yeah. said, Oh, can we um? Can we get on? So he said, mate, do it whenever you like. Yeah. Uh, do we get changed here if you want? Yeah, you know, is that, that attitude of yeah. actually just as long as you're not – my attitude is this, as I said, as long as you can complete the course without holding people up yep. unduly because you're being slow and you've got a decent attitude, well, do what you you're want.
0: Welcome. Let's start to wrap it up. What's Huntingdale's interest in one club in Oakley and what you're doing here? Why were they here today?
1: Huntingdale is also in the city of Monash, but – Huntingdale understands that for golf to be healthy, public golf has to be healthy. They're, they're smart enough to know that we're not going to attract 100 people to come to um, Oakley who are then all going to go on and play at Huntingdale. They understand that they have a responsibility to spread the word of golf, as does every private golf club, because for them to be healthy in the future – they need people to be playing public golf. They also understand that for a beginner to play golf at Huntingdale, it's daunting. Uh, you know, it's a it's, bad deal for both, isn't it? It's
0: a oh, bad deal for the beginner and it's a bad deal for the club and its existing members. I and mean, it's there's, there's nothing about it that makes a whole lot of sense yeah. to start your golf at Huntingdale imagine, or imagine, Royal imagine, Melbourne.
1: Or, imagine paying you know. five grand a year a serious golfer. You pay five grand a year to be a member of a club and you turn up on the tee and you've got a beginner mm. with you who seriously can't play. Yeah, You know, Hunting Huntingdale, you get to the second hole there, the little par four, and well, you can, if you can't fly it onto the green with some spin, you can't play the hole. So the beginner's going to be put off the very first time they play golf, yeah. um, possibly. So I, I kind of believe that if we've got 100 people to try, try golf – there's
0: going to be a certain number of people who love it, a certain number of people who couldn't wire it, some yeah, who don't like and it. Different yeah. I'm, pretty- I'm a great believer in the same thing. I don't reckon those numbers would have changed in 600 years. No. no I reckon absolutely. it's exactly the same percentage of people will be wired to enjoy the game, find the game, blah, and hack the game as they did 600 years ago. I don't think there'd be any change in that.
1: Correct. So I think that if you put those 100 beginners on a course that's beginner-appropriate you're less likely to lose mm-hmm. those who are disheartened. Yeah. So, you know, out of the 100, if we said we're going to convert 40 people to playing regular golf, if you did that on Huntingdale or in any sandbelt golf club, you're probably only going to get 10. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've, we've, we've driven 30 players away from golf who didn't need to because yep. we put them down the, down the steepest ski slope first. Yep. So Huntingdale, you know, hats off to Huntingdale.
0: And not only that, we were staggered when they fell over and blamed them when they didn't come back. <laughs> yeah, correct. <laughs> it's their own fault.
1: Correct. Yeah. So hats off to Huntingdale for doing that, and I think more private golf clubs will go the same way.
0: Couldn't agree more, and I think you're probably right about that. What's the future for one club, uh, Sandy? Is it something that will only just exist here at Oakley? Do you have plans for taking it broader, or is that yet to be seen depending how it goes here? What's your what's your instinct about it?
1: Oh, my instinct's pretty strong. It's it's going places. Uh
0: because the concept is easily transportable to any golf course, even private clubs, if they wanted to, correct, start a one club program. The
1: the idea of one club, my whole program fits on two A four sheets of paper. Um, the coaching philosophy sits on one A four sheet of paper. Golf Australia, David Glutcho, head of game development, has been down here. He loves it. Uh, it's um, we're talking at the moment about if you like some sort of franchise arrangement. Mm-hmm. I'm not a greedy man. Like the the actual one club. Itself retails for thirty nine ninety five, and we hire it out here for five bucks. There's not a lot of profit to be made out of the one club, but the one club is the is the tool that makes the game possible, and it's that entry point. Like before, we we're talking about there's my there's my five iron as a kid. Yeah, it, that's the and the future is training other people up to do it, having centers around the place that people can get into golf, and it's you know I I, I caught the gateway drug. Mm. you know you start off and you get you get that nice sense of the ball going in the hole you hit one in the middle and you will aspire at one point to want to hit the ball high in the air and that's when you'll need a wedge and you'll aspire to putt a bit better and that's when you will need a putter and you want to hit a bit further and that's when you'll need a wood but there's no need to give them all the tools at once so yes one club's going places and i'm I'm feeling calls from all around the world at the moment people are interested do you want to add
0: to the number of calls? How do people get in touch with you?
1: Uh, look, the best the best one, I've got a very basic website, mm-hmm. which is one, as in the numeral one, club.golf.
0: It's in the title, really, yeah, isn't it?
1: One golf. Yep. So, it's the .golf domain, not .com, golf, And you can have a bit of a look there, and you can certainly contact me through that. And you can book a lesson there, too. Like, if you're local, you can go on there and book a group, and you'll see availabilities if there are some, which... The typical hour at the moment, because I'm just starting out, and I, I look. I don't need. I really only need at this golf course here to get to convert 500 people to play golf regularly. And I know that sounds like a lot, but it's not really. So, what based, is
0: it? A quarter of probably the standard membership of most
1: largest private clubs. Based on my numbers, you know, if I can if I can introduce 2,000 people to golf and 500 of them stick, this place is going to be healthy into the future. Yeah. And then, you know, I've got a bit of a goal Uh, and my goal is within three years to create 100,000 extra public golf course rounds in world. Oh, wow. 100,000.
0: All right. How are you going to track that? uh, There's another podcast through. (laughs) I do it
1: through through green fees. I've I've already upped the green fees here. Um, I can see how many extra we've had since I started. So, I mean, those sort of numbers you've got to aim high, but we
0: can do it. Sandy, I, I can't do anything but applaud your enthusiasm and your actual willingness to get up and do something. I'm sure you're going to have hurdles along the way. I'm sure you know that. You won't know what you are till you come to them, but I'm also sure that you'll find ways either over, under, or around them as you go. Best of luck with it. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Thanks, mate. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that chat with one of the game's real characters as much as I did. And if you want to know more about Sandy and the One Club idea, check out the March issue of Golf Australia magazine, where my colleague and friend Karen Harding has written an excellent piece. You can also visit Sandy's One Club website, as he mentioned there, at oneclub.golf. That's the numeral one, the word club, Dot golf Link, as always, in the show notes. If you like what we're doing here at the Good Good Golf Podcast, make sure to share it with a friend or somebody who might be interested. That wraps up Episode 14. Good to have your company. We look forward to doing it all again next week here on the Good Good Golf Podcast.